Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, we're going to jump right into the Word tonight. If you've been with us, we've been in a series that we've called No Lies. And uh, so I just want to read to you out of John chapter 8, verse 31. It says this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from him. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments as we look at your word, I pray, Father, that you will show us what we need to see. God, as we continue in this series, and Lord, we have called out so many lies that are prevalent in our society today. But God, I pray that whatever it is that that as we as we walk through today's message, I pray, Father, that whatever it is that we need to hear, that that's what we'll hear. That, God, you will speak to us. We praise you, God, because you are so faithful. And, Lord, we lift up those who are watching live with us right now in Star Valley. We lift up those who will be watching in Malawi and those who will be watching in the jail in the North Slope of Alaska and wherever else they may be. God, I pray that, Lord, through this technology, that, God, your word would still ring true and that, God, people would hear, hear your words and they would follow them. We give you all the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know we've spent some time kind of calling out some of the different lies that are prevalent in in society and culture, but also just in us as believers, that things that we are very prone and can believe very easily. And so we started it by talking about God's word and how the lie is now that this thing isn't true from cover to cover, that many people have dismissed parts of scripture to make it more convenient, and we talked about the fact that that isn't, uh, that isn't God's intention. God doesn't need us to edit his book. He's fully capable of editing his own book. And so even when it's unpopular, we need to believe it. The second week we talked about just not only knowing it and hearing it, but actually obeying it and the power of obedience. And then we talked about how Satan wants to rob you of your identity. And so we talked about the identity thief. And that was a big one. For many of you, you're still telling me that God is working on you, that you'll begin to see your identity through who he says that you are, not through uh, what the world thinks about you. Um, And then we talked about fear one of the weeks. And last week, we kind of broke it down with, with understanding that God hasn't called you to be happy. That's a tough one. It's not that he doesn't want you to be happy. He's he's totally fine with you being happy, but that's not the end game. It's more important that we are obedient and that we're followers of Jesus. And sometimes there will be happiness in there, but sometimes there won't. If we pursue happiness, we will find ourselves chasing things that are actually not godly things. And so we pursue him first, and as we do that, then God shows up and he will bring you contentment, which is way better than happiness anyhow. And so today we're going to talk about the popularity lie. And um, I, want to, I want to take just a few moments. Some of you, I, I know that we've got younger people in the house that, that all you know is that when you want to listen to a song, you just pull out your smartphone, you say 
the name of whatever your device is and say, play this song, and boom, that song starts to play. And can I tell you that, you know, I may look really, really young. Um, why are we laughing at that? That's rude. Uh, Angie, you're laughing extra loud at that. That's really rude. Uh, but back in my day, we had this thing called the audio cassette. Well, well, actually, when I was really little, there was the 8-track, too. But, but that wasn't when I was listening to music. That When I got older and I wanted to listen to music. So we had to do this thing, and I just want to explain this to the young people in the house. There was no Siri. There was no Google this. There was none of that. There was this thing called radio stations and a tape cassette. And if you wanted a song and you didn't want to go buy the whole, the whole thing, then you waited until the radio station played the song that you wanted, and you hit record, and you recorded the song, but then them dang DJs would talk over the front of the song and the end of the song. And then if you were really techie, you could take those tape recordings and you could take, and, and before I had a dual cassette recorder, Come on now, some of you, you know what I'm talking about. That was like a game changer when that thing came out. Before I had that thing, I would take the two, I'd take, I'd take a tape deck over here and a tape deck over here, and I'd put them next to each other, and I'd hit play, and I'd hit record, and I'd tell everybody to be quiet. And I would do my very best to cut that DJ out that was telling me the weather over the front of my favorite song. And then when the dual cassette thing came out, then all of a sudden my pirating business began. Mixtapes, you had all, you know, I, I'd go to the mall and I would look for the high fidelity blank audio cassette tapes by TDK. Man, I love you people. You're like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Metal particles, I don't even know what that means, but that was like more expensive, so I'd pay more money. And then I would, I would get my friend's cassette or I, whatever, and I would just, I would record, and then my friend, my other friend would want that cassette. They'd record off of my recording. And can I tell you that over time, things became less, I mean, as clear as cassette tapes were from the beginning, they had a really nice hiss, though, in between songs that you could just... <laughs> but they would become less and less clear the more we copied it. So I want to talk about that for a little bit because God is the original and his design is clear. His word is unfuzzy. It is uncompromised. It is indisputed. It is truth. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love, uh, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And so Jesus, when he says this, he had seen that the world, he knows that the world is not just going to be a temptation to us for us to avoid, but it is actually a threat for us to guard against. We want to live out our Christian faith all the while still being loved and accepted by this world. Even preachers can fall prey to this. 
They want to gain notoriety and popularity. So they water down messages so that, so that it feels better, so that nobody gets upset with them. And it becomes, the word becomes less and less important, and the brand becomes the central thing. Can I just tell you, there's, I mean, many of you already know this probably, but do you know that there's an a, a Instagram account that's called Preacher Sneakers? And, and it, is, it is where preachers will wear the most expensive, like two, $3,000 pair of sneakers while they're preaching so they can be famous on this Instagram account. I, I know of preachers that have asked people, hey, I'm wearing these sneakers. Will you take a picture and, and post it to that account for me? If anybody wants to take a picture right now, I think I got these at Ross. I think they're about $49. So, however, we will have spent thousands of dollars on kids getting shoes this year. But it's very easy to, to fall into that. Most of these men and women are dynamic preachers and, they, and, and they, they're good communicators and all of that. But can I tell you, the enemy is so good at selling this notoriety and popularity idea that it can often derail these men and women from their genuine call. He did not call us to be popular. He actually calls us to be the opposite of popular. Listen to what he what said in John chapter 15. Verse 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that they hated me first. If you believe, if you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teachings, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I have not come and spoken to them, they, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and they have, have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. So Jesus tells us that the world will be hostile towards us. So can I tell you this popularity lie is, is a very dangerous one because it's something that we're easily sucked into. We're, it's very easy for us to want people to like us. That's kind of normal, right? Like, I would like people to like me. I would like when I post on my Instagram account for, to get a thousand likes. And I would like more people to want to follow me each day. And I would like all of these things. I'd like it when I walk into a room for everybody to be excited to see me. I would like all of those things because it's innate inside of us. That's the way that, that, that the world has trained us. But Jesus says, they will hate you because they also hated me. So this makes sense when we follow Jesus' logic because he saw this world under the rule of the devil and not God. Jesus knew that he was going to triumph over Satan, but this was not the time for Satan's ultimate destruction. So victory would be available, but not certain. Temptation would still be here. So listen to what he prays for his disciples in John chapter 17, verse 13. 
I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in this world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world anymore. I am, I am, or any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Verse 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, uh, for, uh, for them I sanctify myself that they too may truly be sanctified. So I want to look at this for just a moment because there's a couple things in this scripture that I think are super important. Jesus is praying, and he's praying for his disciples. He's saying, listen, they're not of this world anymore. They are now, they're with me. And he's saying, so now I need you to sanctify them by the truth. And then it goes on to say that his word is the truth. So how, as disciples of Jesus Christ, how is it that we find ourselves being sanctified? It is through God's word. It is through spending time in his scriptures and understanding that this is truth. Jesus just said, it is your, the word, your word is truth. Then he says to sanctify uh, the, the followers of Jesus. So I, I looked up the word sanctify, and we're going to put it up on the screen so you can see it. But there's multiple different definitions, but I want to I focus on a couple of them here. First of all is to make holy, set apart as sacred, consecrated to purify, uh, or free from sin. And then as you skip down a little bit, there's one that says to make productive of, uh, of or con conductive to spiritual blessing. Now, I don't know about you, but I would like to be conductive of spiritual blessing. I would like to receive spiritual blessing. So when we talk about when Jesus says, hey, I want them to be sanctified, he's saying, listen, you, I want you to make them holy. I want you to set them apart. I want them to be conductors of spiritual blessing. So as we look at sanctification, we understand that it is when we, when we run our lives through this book, through God's word, then all of a sudden we, are, we open ourselves up to this thing that Jesus is praying for his disciples and Jesus has made it clear. He's like, hey, these guys are not part of the world anymore. Now, Western culture, church especially, I think we want both worlds. We want to have what the world has, but we also would like to have what God has for us. Now, you may be sitting in the room going, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. I follow Jesus. I, I, I like church. I'm all good with all this stuff. But I also really like the world. And then you wonder why you're not experiencing the fullness of God. Because you have not died to this world. You have said, I want both. And God, that is not the plan that Jesus has for us. So Jesus knows that while we are in the world, the world is going to hate us. His prayer for us is that we will lean into God's truth. And out of that, we will receive spiritual blessing. Not worldly blessing, that is fleeting but spiritual blessing, which is eternal. So, as I was thinking about the tape decks and the duplications, my generation tried to duplicate the blessing of previous generations without wanting to count the cost. And I believe that we've now gotten to a place, just like with the cassette tape, if you went cassette to cassette, the duplication, there was always something that got lost. 
And I believe that from generation to generation, there are things that have gotten lost. I believe that, that if, as we make copy after copy after copy, we, we copy strategy, we copy, we copy format, we copy all of these things, but now we've got a generation that just says, you know what, this music sucks. And it's because they're not actually getting the fullness and the realness. Now, now for me, I, I understand because as you would make copy after copy after copy, now I could find, and I actually probably still have, some of my old cassette tapes. Now, the new generation, they don't work hard at, at getting music because it's just right there. You say it and you get to listen to it. For us, back when I was a kid, we had to work hard to get our music. But can I tell you, our music was worth it because the 80s rocked, baby. It was worth the work. I don't blame you for not working for the stuff today, but... Why does cancel culture work? Because integrated in all of us is the need to not only be accepted by the masses, but to be loved by the masses. So as the masses move from one idea to another, we must bend like a pretzel to fit into what they say. When we talk about the pronouns and the gender identity and Pride Month and all of these things, if you don't go with it, you're going to get canceled. But truth is not fluid. Gender is not fluid. Love is, is not fluid. All of these things, doctrine is not fluid. But we keep bending to fit in and compromising as though that's going to make us win. We see it even, even as you look at social media. Depending on the month, depending on what's going on in the world, everybody changes their profile pic and they put whatever flag over the top of their picture because it's what people told them to do. Oh, BLM, put the BLM stuff up. Oh, pride, put, put a rainbow over your face. Oh, Oh, Ukraine. Most of, most of the people that put the Ukraine flag up couldn't even point to Ukraine on a map if you asked them to. And don't get me wrong. It's okay to be like, hey, I support this or whatever. That, whatever. But I'm just telling you right now, it's people bending and bending and bending. This is what's popular. Do this so you'll fit in. It's amazing to me because as adults, we've, we've raised our children to say, you don't have to fit in. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. But then you watch the adults. They're changing things on their profile pic like it's going out of style. Because I want to fit in. I want to be seen as somebody who cares. And can I tell you, changing your profile pic doesn't mean you actually care about anything. Put action behind it if you care about it. If you care, then, then give to a convoy of hope that's, that's helping in Ukraine. If that's what you care about, then do something about it. But we bend and we bend and we bend. And Jesus told us that we would be hated by this world. So why do we seek its approval? I hear people will say, you ask that question, and you'll hear people say things like, well, once I gain influence and popularity, I'll use it to tell people about Jesus. That rarely happens. That rarely happens. What normally happens is you become intoxicated with your own influence. And then you'll do whatever it takes not to lose influence. So you bend like a pretzel. Jeremiah the prophet 
had to face unusual resistance. During a time of political upheaval, he was called by God to preach a searing message of repentance to the people of his hometown. And his message was rejected throughout most of his ministry. He lived in isolation. He suffered persecution and saw from an earthly perspective little success in his lifetime. But you know what he did is he left a legacy of truth. And I'm telling you right now, as we're, we're going to conclude this series next weekend, but, but as we walk through this series, I guess my hope is, is that, first of all, A, our young people will hear what truth is, because they are inundated with such lies and so much indoctrination about nonsense that goes against God's word. And it's, and it's pressed so hard and you're, and you're treated as if you're ignorant or you're an idiot if you don't believe the way that everybody else believes. And the problem with that is, is they keep changing their beliefs every 10 minutes. Things that, things that you couldn't say a year ago on social media without them banning you have been now proven to be true. And so now you can say them, but you can't say this other thing, which will eventually be proven true. And they just, and, and big tech and all of those things, man, they, they press and they, they want to they control everything. And so our young people, they're being, they're being taught by people who should not be teaching. And for teachers in the room, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the things that are coming into their brains through, through the, the apps that they're looking at, through the, the media that they're watching, through all of those things. They're being inundated with untruth. You know, we're, 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 in a, we're in a recession as a country. And they changed the definition this week of what recession means. So even if you go to Wiki, Wikipedia now, they'll say that it, they changed the definition on there and they locked the page. If you know Wikipedia, it means people can get in there and edit it. That page cannot be edited. Why? Because they want you to believe something that isn't true. And so they'll just keep saying it until it becomes truth to most of the population. But we, as adults, as parents, the legacy that we need to leave is a legacy of truth. We need to quit worrying about, can I just tell you, if something were to happen to me tomorrow, if I, if I died in some way, it, nobody's going to like, you're not going to go to my funeral and go, oh man, he had so many people that liked his Facebook page. You're not going to go, oh man, he had some really popular stuff on Instagram. I don't, I don't want that to be my legacy. I want to have a legacy of truth. I want my children, I want my grandchildren, I want them to know that we believe this book, that we understand it to be true, that we stand for it even when culture stands against it. And that even when it's hard, I, looking at Jeremiah, it was hard for him. It ruined his life to speak truth. But he's in the book, right? At the end of everything, he could have compromised. He could have given in. He could have toned it back so that people wouldn't be offended by him. But he wouldn't have made the book. He's still speaking from the grave. Because he held a legacy of truth. I don't know about you, but I want to keep speaking from the grave. And I want to speak truth in all that we do so that we can teach a generation that just because it says it on the internet doesn't necessarily mean it's true. 
So now that you know the basic context of Jeremiah's life and his calling and his career, I think you'll see the striking significance of the words that God spoke to him in his teenage years as his ministry was just beginning. This scripture that we find in Jeremiah chapter 1, starting with verse 4, it says this, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as prophet to the nations. Now, that's a verse that many of us know, especially that first part, because we use it a lot. You'll see it on signs. You'll see it on bumper stickers. That's all great. But what God is saying is, listen, I'm setting you apart. You're going to be a truth speaker. It's, it's going to be hard. Life's not going to be always easy. You're not going to be popular. Notice that? Like, he didn't say, seek popularity. It's great. No, he said, he said I, I'm, I'm calling you, I'm setting you apart, I've got a plan for you. And these words reveal a general truth about not only how but when God, uh, God's approval comes to him. God approved of him from the time he was in the womb. And God put greatness in you as well for a reason. Jesus didn't diminish a man's need for greatness. He simply defined the way man ought to seek to get it, which is through service. So Jesus is saying, listen, I get it. We all in us, innate inside of us, we have this need to want to be great. We want to be great. When you go do your job, you want to be great at your job. When we talk about parenting, you want to be a great parent. You, you know, you want to get dad, you know, best dad cup, Right? Because no one else has that, right? If you get that, you're the only one in the whole world that's ever gotten the number one dad uh, cup. We want to be great at whatever we do, and, and we, I understand that, but, but true greatness is not defined on this earth. True greatness is not defined by this world. Because if the world thinks you're great, you're not doing it right. It's only when our Father thinks that we're great. It's only when we do things that bring pleasure to Him. It's only when we do things that are in obedience to Him. And if we're truly going to be obedient, then we need to understand that He said, this world will hate you. Now, for some of you, you're like, oh, this is a really hard message. I want you to, I want you to think about it differently. This is a freeing message. It actually brings a level of freedom to you. Because this world is going to make you flip and flop and bend and all kinds of things to try and fit in. But if you were just like, you know what? I don't need to fit in with them. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to be who God's asking me to be. I'm called to, to live in such a way that I can, I can bring glory to God. And if that offends some people, can I just tell you right now, this series is not going to win me any popularity contests. It's not. I, if, if you could see my email and you could hear my interactions in the back of the room after, after church, I will have, I'll have literally one person come up to me after church and go, Pastor, that was a challenging message. That was so good. I really appreciate your heart and thanks for being bold. And the very next person will come and go, I don't really understand why you got to talk about this stuff at church. I think you're making things too hard and too political and all of these. And then the very next person, I got to completely, and, and, and I know, like when when, I, when we said we were doing this series, I was like, here we go. I'm going to get some emails. I'm going to get some people upset. But the thing is, 
I don't need popularity with you. I love you all, but I don't need popularity with you. True greatness inside of our lives always points back to him. It should make him famous, not me famous. It should make him the center of attention and not me the center of attention. Now, God puts you in places where you may get opportunities to, to share or to speak to, to numerous people and all those things. That's great. But make sure that when you do that, that A, you're always pointing up, and B, you're not watering that down so that you'll get more likes. Because we got enough of that already. We need men and women of God who will stand and speak truth. We need to understand that God knows the story better than we know the story. And we got to realize it is not our job to edit what he wants us to do. It's our job to speak what he's told us to speak, to live what he's asking us to live, and to show him in every way possible. Now, as I've told you through this whole series, we've got, we've got a lot of things in culture that are backwards, that are pushing against our faith, that are pushing against this book. And we always need to speak truth with love. Because like I told you before, truth equals love. If we truly love someone, then we're going to step into their story. If they're doing something that is against what the book says, and we're going, to, we're going to lovingly pull them back towards Jesus and show them what it is to find purpose and truth and love and hope, because that's what the book is ultimately all about. So this evening, as we're, we're going to wrap up here in just a moment, but as we do that, I want to just take a moment, because I really believe that that we need, to, we need to come to this understanding of this calling that God has for us. You see, we can't come into this house and say, yeah, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I love him, and I like him, and I, I think he's great, but when he says that the world is going to be my enemy, I'm not a big fan of that, so I'm going to leave that part out. You're either in or you're not. The church has walked the line for too long. And it's gotten us nowhere because we've compromised after compromise after compromise, hoping that the world will like us. They don't. They don't. Every compromise does not make them closer to us. It actually makes us closer to them. To where pretty soon the only difference is going to be with your coworker when you're talking about church and you're trying to bend like a pretzel so they'll feel good about you and you're doing all the things that you do, pretty soon they're going to go, so what is it that's the difference about between you and me? And, and they go, oh, oh, well, I go to church on Saturday night. And they're like, I go floating on Saturday, so I don't really need church because there's no difference we got to stand and let them see a difference. And some will get offended, some will get angry, some will hate you. But he has told you he loves you. we got to start changing the world. we got to start changing the world. Because it is changing on its own and not in a good direction. So the church has to stand. We have to stand. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes with me for the next few moments. As we close this time together, we're going to spend a little bit more time in worship. And as we do that, I just I want to challenge you this evening to be honest with yourself. What is your priority in this world? Is it to win the approval of man? 
How much of your day is spent checking to see if you've got more followers or likes on, on social media? Or how much of your day is spent bending over backwards for your coworkers so that you can be popular in your workplace? And how much of your day is saying, God, show me where there's need. Show me where there's hurt. Show me where there's hopelessness. Help me to be the one to step into that story. Help me to be the one to speak truth with love. Help me to be the one that shines light into dark places. Because he wants to change people's lives for the good. The book isn't about, isn't about destruction of men. It's about God's love for man. It's about that he so loved the world that he sent his only son to die on a cross so that you and I can have life. But then we get that and we, we accept that grace and that love and we're excited about that mercy that God has for us and it's overwhelming. But then when we're asked to step into somebody's story and tell them the truth, even when it's not convenient, then we shy away because it might take away a friendship or hurt my popularity or people look at me screwy. And so we stop. And Jesus told us, this world's going to hate you. not a fun message but it's a true one I don't know how much longer we've got until Jesus comes back but as a church we should be fighting against the lies we should be standing for truth I'm going to pray over you tonight and we're going to worship there will be prayer teams down here you need prayer for anything or if you just want to spend some time at the altar you're welcome to do that as well God we thank you so much for your word we thank you Lord that you've given us clear expectations you've told us this world is not yours it doesn't belong to you it's not where your home is so you need to live we need to live with our eyes on heaven God, I pray that your church would rise up, that compromise is over, that standing on truth is where we are. That God, even if it makes us unpopular, we will speak truth with love. God, I pray for people in our community, that Lord, their ears would be open, that God, as they hear hope and truth and love, that God, the lies will be broken off, that things will fall away that this, this scheme that the enemy has to continually redefine things. God, I pray that you'd bring us back to a, a solid definition and that the church would be the one pointing to what truth is. God, we give you all the praise. I pray over those in this room right now who have gotten sucked in to fighting for popularity and that today would be a day of releasing that and that, God, they would live their life for the audience of one. Lord, we give you all the praise today. And we worship you in these last closing moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we sing? The altars are open. The prayer teams will be down here. Thanks for listening. 
River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.